Hey guys, it's just me this time. <laughs> um, so I had to drive Aiden, uh, Thornbussy, Aiden, to the airport this morning at about 6 a.m. Uh, and we discovered that I, in fact, do not have cell phone service in Knoxville, which is which is interesting. Uh, it's a city. I, I didn't expect to have it up here on the mountain, but I did expect to have it in the city. So I had the fun experience of driving my way back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to uh rural tennessee from knoxville with uh with no gps and driving all the way up this mountain so that's uh that's how that went um but i am still here uh so tonight's tonight's podcast is going to be a fun one i've done a lot of this stuff on twitch recently but i haven't gotten a chance to talk about it on youtube one of my favorite topics is the idea that humanity was more advanced prior to the the great flood so to speak then we give it credit for now this this is influenced by a number of factors but most importantly are things like uh darren kuyu not sorry not darren kuyu uh gebekli tepe so there's first of all a lot of this stuff is in turkey oddly enough but what i wanted to do for this specific episode was kind of go through lost civilizations in order of uh, likely, or well, concrete, it existed, to it existed but we don't understand it, to likely exist in some form or another, and finally we'll end with the title of the stream, Great Tartaria, which is by far one of the most ridiculous conspiracies I've ever heard of. It is so funny, and it's based entirely in misunderstandings, and predicated upon a factor that if you think about it for even a minute renders the entire conspiracy theory useless so that's where we're going to be going here and uh if you say i'm a little crispy on the mic i'm going to need to know what you mean <laughs> because we don't have our usual setup so everything's uh everything's a little different today but is that any better a little feedback that might just be the echo in the room honestly um, I can try and get it a little bit closer to my face and see if that fixes the problem. Maybe cut it down a little bit, but there's definitely no, uh, is that any better? Is that better? <laughs> maybe it, let me, let me see. Uh, you know, maybe it's doing something. No, it's coming through the right thing. There's no gain. That's the problem. There's there's absolutely no gain. I don't have my headphones with me though, so I wasn't able to check on it. I shouldn't be. Uh, my mine says I'm not peeking. Um, let me see if I can fix it this way. Lower the output gain. Is that any better? Does that that get any any better?
Is it is is this is this the right kind of crisp? Is this kind of crisp we want? <laughs> I'm trying my best. There's really so much I can do under the circumstances here, but I hope this works. Um, you know. All right, cool. We'll fix anything we can in uh in post. Uh, see, it's it's turned all the way up now. <laughs> this is painful. I'm gonna up the gain a little bit. Is that any better? Cool. We're, all right. We're, that's what we're doing. We're gonna stop there. <laughs> uh, it's definitely coming through the Yeti, so I don't know where that is a problem. Um, maybe there's a second microphone being picked up. Let me scroll through and look. No, there isn't a second microphone. Uh, the video on demand from last night's stream with with Wendigoon is over on his second channel. I think Wendigang. Is that right? Am I correct about that? Okay, I am correct about that. He's over there. Um, well, I'm not. In this, that might be it. Is you guys are used to me being in a room with a lot of acoustic paneling, uh, with everything fine tuned for that room. I am in a large. Let's see. I'll uh, I'll show you guys where we are. Um, this is the room I'm in. And there's there's Wendigoon over there. He waved. <laughs> so this is the room. That's probably the reason the audio is so odd. It's just that uh, this is this is not an ideal recording studio, but it is a beautiful cabin, and I love it here. Um, I, I want to move to Tennessee. I've I've decided. Aiden and I are already discussing it. Uh, we did not bring Archie with us. That would have been a lot. But I want to get into the subject matter now that the microphone is fixed, um, and I can give you guys a, a tour of the the place um, probably tomorrow morning on TikTok or something like that. Uh, so let's let's start with this with the video that we put up on Friday. We talked about Darren Kuyu. Darren Kuyu is an underground city. For those who haven't seen the video, is an underground city in Cappadocia. At its peak, it could house about twenty thousand people, and it was abandoned finally in the nineteen twenties when Greece and Turkey exchanged a large number of uh, citizens between the two. It was 1.5 million people. About half were Greek Christians living in Turkey, and the other half were uh, Turkish and Balkan Muslims living in Greece. So if you don't know much about uh, early Turkish history, early Turkish is in the current government of Turkey. Oh. Playing your playing your Minecrafts? <laughs> yeah, my Minecraft. Are you, are you winning? Honestly, actually, Darren Kuyu is an underground city. It is Minecraft IRL. That's good. Son. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, uh, Danny Bonocore. I assume that's the how it's pronounced. Thank you so much. I re I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> that's that is very kind of you. Uh, they they immediately said Gord when you appeared. <laughs> They they want they want a uh, like emo style pity the gourd T-shirt. Um, I think you and I have to do a Midwest emo song called Pity the Gourd. Yeah. Pity the gourd. Uh, we're we're gonna have to do a Midwest emo song. Oh my gosh. Are you inside? So yeah, uh, Darren Kuyu is Minecraft IRL, uh, you know, bring back child labor, the children yearn for the mines. Um, we don't know who built it necessarily, we don't know who started it. Uh, and what I was saying about early Turkish history is when the country of Turkey was forming, 
uh, in the late Ottoman period, they went and did a fun little genocide of the Armenian population, the Greek Armenians. That, in order to avoid that same fate befalling the Greek Christians in Turkey, they moved underground in these Cappadocian cities and started living again in, in underground rooms. Darren Kuyu isn't the only one. There's a number of them. There's uh, potentially over 200 of these. And it has been suggested that these actually connect to one another, that there are underground tunnels that run for miles connecting via the soft volcanic rock that has been created over years and years and years um, that, that connected these cities. Darren Kuyu is by far the most complex, although another, another more recent one was discovered, but this only dates to the second or third century, so it's not as mysterious. Derinkuyu itself, very, very interesting. Now, we know that the Phrygians had something to do with it, and the Phrygians were a uh, Balkan people. We're not talking about modern Balkans, we're talking about, like, Dacothracians. So a modern, or an ancient Baltic pe Balkan people, they spoke a language that was very similar to Greek, they wrote in an alphabet that was very similar to Greek, and like the Greeks, they were very into architecture, structure, building, engineering, things like that. But the thing is, they occupied some of these sites. For example, they seem to have occupied the former site of Troy as early as 1180 BC. We don't know exactly when they would have occupied Derinkuyu, but they seem to have added to it. There's a lot of Phrygian artifacts. There's a specific kind of pottery called Bukukedemic, which is specific to the, the Balkan area that was found there. And what this means is that the Phrygians were there. We know that. What's more interesting is that it seems to have been there before the Phrygians were, which means it would have been likely the Hittites that built it. And the reason that I include this in a video about lost civilizations is that until about the 1830s, the Hittites were only mentioned in the Bible. They were not something that modern archaeologists, modern historians could place. We just didn't know anything about them. In the 1830s, some Hittite ruins were discovered, but the French uh, archaeologist Charles Texier, who discovered them, did not know what they were. He assumed that they were Greek or something like that. They weren't. It was only after deciphering cuneiform in the 1850s that we finally learned that the Hittite culture existed. So the history was always there, we just had no way of accessing it because we couldn't decipher the writing. What was discovered was that a from the years about 1750 BC up through 1180 BC, there was an empire in Anatolia in Western Asia called the Hittite Empire based at the city of Hattusa. And this empire was strong enough to rival groups like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians. It was on that level. It was a very strong Bronze Age empire. It was fan like... Basically, this entire civilization that had been a rival to the Egyptian Empire of the New Kingdom, we didn't know about it until 150, 200 years ago. And I, I personally just think that's fascinating. Um, so Derinkuyu is evidence of a lost civilization. And I, I bring that up to make the point that when people talk about lost civilizations, 
many people want to discredit it, discount it. You know, that couldn't possibly have happened. We would have had evidence. Very often, we just haven't yet discovered the evidence or we don't understand the evidence, which brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, which is the Indus River Valley Civilization as well as the Minoan Linear A writing system. So these are two very different things. The Indus River Valley Civilization, uh, the city at Mohenodaro, um, and you know all that, that's over in India. Whereas the Minoans were on the Isle of Crete in the uh, the southern Aegean, uh, eastern Mediterranean Sea. What is interesting about both of these civilizations is that we cannot decipher their writing system. Now, the Minoans did eventually begin writing in Linear B, which we have deciphered, and we were partially able to decipher it because it is on mainland Greece. We can tell that some of these words are Proto-Greek. Linear A has not been deciphered. So with the Indus River Valley civilization, we have their architecture, we have you know temple structures, we have cities, we can't read their writing. With the Minoans, we can read their later writing and we can get an account of them through that, but we can't read their original stuff. Once we do, in fact, manage to read that, once we decipher it, we will likely learn some truly incredible stuff about ancient history possibly the, the reasons for the Bronze Age collapse. We might actually learn where the Minoans and the Mycenaeans and all of these groups came from through their own words. Right now, we've got theories, we've got ideas behind it, but we can't tell for sure what happened there. So Linear A, uh, we've deciphered a few characters, that's about it. The Indus River Valley Civilization, we haven't deciphered their script at all. We can't even tell if it's a predecessor to Sanskrit. We don't know, it doesn't seem to be Indo-European. So who were these people? We know that they were able to build large temple complexes. With the Minoans, it's the same way. They have their palatial complexes. But with the Indus River Valley, they don't seem to be connected. All we have is some, some drawings, some pictograms, some glyphs that do seem to suggest they were practicing an archaic form of Hinduism, but that's really all we've got. So what does that mean? It means that we have lost civilizations today that we're looking at, that we are aware existed, that we know absolutely nothing about other than what the architecture tells us. That brings us to where things begin to be in the realm of, uh, I don't want to use the term pseudo-history, but we're talking about things that are not supported by historical evidence. For example, Atlantis. The Atlantis most people know is one of two things. It's either the old DreamWorks movie, which is fantastic, or it's the Platonic Atlantis, where we're talking about a city, a country, a continent possibly, beyond the Pillars of Heracles to the west of the Mediterranean, where they had this incredible navy that rivaled that of Athens, and uh, Plato used them as an example of hubris and of uh, how man's pride can lead to his downfall. For a very, very, very long time, it has been believed that Plato made Atlantis up as a allegorical device. That his story about how his ancestor Solon of Athens went to Egypt, spoke to the Egyptian priests, and learned of the story of Atlantis, that that was just completely made up. Part of this was because there was no record of a country, 1200 BC-ish, that uh, that went missing. Everybody was saying, oh, well, Atlantis, in order for Athens to be involved, it, it can't have been earlier than a certain point. 
But Plato tells us something very interesting about Atlantis. Bringing Athens into it was clearly an allegorical device. But Atlantis itself, he tells us, sank beneath the waves 9,000 years before the time of Solon of Athens. That would place the sinking of Atlantis around the year 11,600, uh, or sorry, that would place the sinking of Atlantis 11,600 years ago, um, or around 9,600 BC. Part of the reason that this was ignored for so long, and it was suggested, oh, this is about the Santorini eruption, or, oh, this is about, you know, some, some volcanic eruption somewhere else. This is totally made up. It's completely fictional. Part of the reason we believe that is because there was no evidence of any sort of flooding event that happened around the time that Atlantis is supposed to have gone beneath the waves. But in the last 50 years, there's been a significant amount of research into a time period known as the Younger Dryas. It was a glacial maximum. It was a time period when uh, it's it's the last time that glaciers really covered continents in in human history, at least. Uh, that's the most recent time that glaciers have covered entire continents. We know where we believe the Younger Dryas was. Oh my God, Wendigoon's behind me. Is he behind me with a rifle? He's behind me with an M1 Grand, isn't he? I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're fine you're fine and uh yeah i actually would love to get mini minute man on to talk about this um i've been trying he's a very busy man though and i apologize i have a sore throat uh might be developing some tonsillitis that's so much fun i have very large tonsils and they 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 make me sick sometimes um it's very strange so Atlantis, <laughs> the Younger Dryas, we believe, it appears it was caused by Wendigoon is currently clearing the room with an M1 Grand in his underwear. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> this is a great content. I need to go. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. And somebody just super chatted two dollars and said ding. <laughs> put the freedom in the bag. Man, it's YouTube. It's YouTube. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> put the freedom in the bag. <laughs> we literally found this thing today. <laughs> we found that one grand just casually out and about. There's <laughs> free cool welcome to Tennessee. It's it's a very pretty gun. Um <laughs> the gourd moment. <laughs> Certifiable Gord moment. So anyway, the Younger Dryas. Uh, it's believed that the glacial maximum, that the temperature change that caused that, was due to a very uh, significant meteor impact somewhere around Greenland, and that this basically flash uh, evaporated a large amount of uh, ice that uh, accumulated in the atmosphere, condensed, and made it very, very cold. So the glaciers rose up, everything extended, it got freezing cold, and then around 11,600 years ago, for reasons we still can't explain, it's believed it may have been another comet or something like that, it is believed that, again, it's believed that it was a comet or something like that, we don't have evidence for it, whereas we do have evidence of the impact for the, uh, the Younger Dryas period. This was also a controversy regarding the dinosaurs for a very long time, 
the nobody knew why the dinosaurs went extinct until uh, a father and son team of paleontologists in the I think it was the 1970s theorized that there was a meteor impact an asteroid hit the earth and that's what caused the death of the dinosaurs they were basically laughed out of the community and then in the 1990s there was the discovery of the kt boundary the kt boundary or the kt barrier is a line of ash that is found in the geological record that it has been determined came from a meteor strike that threw up all of this ash and dust in the atmosphere and then it all collapsed and condensed over time was crushed into this very thick layer of basically pure carbon and after 20 years of being treated as though they were insane the i can't remember their names off the top of my head but this this team was completely vindicated they were right that that is now the leading theory so it's probably something along those lines with the end of the Younger Dryas and what is called Meltwater Pulse 1B. There are a few estimates I've seen for this. I've seen things like the water level rose uh, 500 feet in just 100 years. I've seen estimates saying uh, 100 feet in 500 years. 100 feet in 500 years is still catastrophic, but it's less catastrophic than 500 feet in 100 years. The point of the matter is, if you look at a graph of the Earth's temperature, <laughs> and of sea level it goes like it goes straight up uh it was very 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 fast so, yeah the the whole meteorite wiped out the dinosaurs concept is is very recent that's that's mid 90s that that was confirmed so if if there was a civilization that existed around the time period of uh, Meltwater Pulse 1B, 11,600 years ago. It would have caused any coastal settlement. Because again, even if we're talking 100 feet over 500 years, let's, uh, let's do some math really quick. Um, so if we have 100 feet divided by 500 years, that is 0.2 feet per year which is two and a half inches of sea level rise per year. That, that would sink Manhattan in a matter of years. That is so much. That's like, that is a, a large amount of sea level rise. So, and that's the, that's the conservative estimate. It, it is believed it could have been a hell of a lot more than that, and that the initial sea level rise would have been several feet off the bat, and then it just would have warmed over time. So this would have been quite quite a bit, you know? Um, I also might have done the math wrong, like, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm terrible at math. I always have been. Um, what's that mean for the Atlantis theory? Well, if we can find evidence that there was human civilization before Meltwater Pulse 1B, it would suggest that the Atlantis story might actually be based in some sort of historical fact. Is it likely that Atlantis had flying cars, modern medicine, they were spacefaring? No. But a late Stone Age civilization, something like uh, very, very early Egypt, like ancient Sumer, things that were 4000 BC, that's possible. And the thing is, we do have evidence of that. Gebekli Tepe which means pot-bellied hill. It is a temple complex in central Anatolia, central southern Turkey. It's 11,600 years old. 
it predates agriculture in the region, as far as we know, by about a thousand years. And it is by far the oldest megalithic structure in the world. There is nothing on that, on that level. It makes Stonehenge look small. And most importantly, Gebekli Tepe has perfect astronomical north-south alignment, not magnetic, astronomical. Not only that, but Gebekli Tepe's astronomical alignment rotates. So as the Earth turned on its axis over the 1500 so years that Gebekli Tepe was an active temple complex, they would build the outer rings to match the location of the stars as they changed in the night sky which means that we're talking about a society that had knowledge of astronomy. We're talking about a society that had understanding of how to construct megaliths. And we're talking about a society that seems to have been pre-literate, which is very strange. How does that happen? Well, the pre-literacy explains why it faded into obscurity. What's not explained is how they built these massive T-structure megaliths without agriculture. Because for those who don't know this, uh, agriculture almost always predates uh, large construction. Huts, yurts, tents, not necessarily. Palaces, temples, anything more than single family housing, that's typically something you, I mean, it's universally something you don't see before agriculture to a large extent because without agriculture, you need to move, you need to follow the herds, you need to hunt, you need to gather. But more importantly, what agriculture did was it allowed people to grow enough food to feed a large population without every single member of the population being involved in food collection. Previously, all the men had to go hunting, and all the women had to stay home and cook and care for the kids. Once you had farms, one man could organize the farm, or in fact, one man could produce enough food for two families, but you could have somebody to organize the farm, you could hire a few day laborers to tend the fields, and if you got, you know, 50 people, and you only need 10 of them to actually grow the food, well, then you can have people who make pottery to store the grain. You can have people who uh, start writing to record grain. You can have people who specialize as warriors. You can have people who work to build things. As time goes on and you have more and more resources that require less and less labor, people can do more complicated, specialized tasks. That's why today only something like 3% of Americans are farmers and we have more food than we could possibly need. Gebekli Tepe predates that. When Gebekli Tepe was built, there weren't farmers. They didn't have the surplus population required to build things. So how'd they do it? We don't know. One possibility is that there was something there that we don't know about. And when you look at things like Mahinodaro and like Linear A, if you look at the fact that for a very, very long time, it was believed that the first Native Americans reached the American continent 13,500-ish years ago. Now we know that wasn't true. Uh, we know that there's missing information from the Indus River Valley civilization that we need to decipher their, their writing to understand. We know that there's information held within these linear A tablets that will give us the context needed to understand early Minoan civilization. 
And we're finding evidence that there were multiple migrations of uh, people from Asia into the American continent long before 13,500 years ago, long before the Clovis civilization. And civilization is a E um, way of putting it. it. It wasn't quite a civilization. It was more of a culture. It's the Clovis first culture narrative, which is slowly but surely being pushed out. But back when Graham Hancock was writing, uh, I think it was Fingerprints of the Gods in the 1990s, he was laughed at. When he suggested there was a pre-Clovis civilization or culture in the Americas, the archaeological community told him he was full of shit. He was proven right. Because we know now, and this was discovered in the last year or so, uh, and this is, I'm, I'm going to cite Mini Miniman on this one, um, we know that there were people here 22,500 years ago because a seed was found in a footprint and they were able to carbon date the seed and date the footprint to 22,500 years ago, um, something like that. There's also a site in one of the Carolinas, I believe. It's escaping, the, the exact name is escaping me right now, but they discovered uh, possible human activity 50,000 years ago. And then there's Truity Mastodon site in California, I think, um, where they found possible evidence. It's extremely, extremely circumstantial, but there is a possibility that they found evidence of human inhabitation of the Western United States as far back as 120,000 years. That would have been the dawn of early mankind. Again, that one's very iffy. That's I'm, I'm not going to stand by that one and say it was definitely humans. I just think it's interesting, you know? What do you ask? But did they have gourds? I assume they did, in fact. I, I, I would say they probably had gourds. Dost thou well to feel angry for the gourd? <laughs> uh... I've been trying to get Mini Minute Man back on. He's just, he's doing his own thing right now, and I know how it is to get things started. <laughs> so, Atlantis, not, not going to be the movie version, but I think there's enough information with sites like Gebekli Tepe, and, and somebody tried to disprove me on this uh, a little bit ago. I think it was on, it was in the comment section of one of my videos. Uh, oh, no, it was on Facebook. I was just in a in a archaeology group and we were discussing it. Somebody tried to disprove me on this and they were like, well, you know they found more Gebekli Tepe-like sites all over Turkey. As, and they were saying this as a way to say, oh, well, Gebekli Tepe is not unique. It's not special. Um, and my response to that was, so I'm right. Like, so this, this isn't a one-off. This isn't, you know, an outlier, an anomaly. You're telling me there are a whole bunch of 11,600-year-old megalithic structures all over Turkey, and you're, you're using this as evidence there wasn't a lost civilization there? I don't buy that. I think that a number of temple complexes across the peninsula really does suggest a culture. And uh, these, these temple complexes, these, these megaliths, these drawings, the carvings, they're, they're not... They're not of native animals to the region. Some of them are, but some of these are depictions of animals from Africa and Asia and Europe. Gebekli Tepe also sits just a couple hundred miles southwest of 
the site at Mount Ararat, where it is the modern Mount Ararat, which is still believed to be the Ararat where Noah's Ark was. And here's my mom. Aw, thank you for the happy birthday wishes, mom. <laughs> so, uh, if you are, uh, you know, of the, the Abrahamic faith persuasion, it does really look like perhaps Gebekli Tepe or one of its uh, clones across the, the the peninsula of Anatolia could in fact be the altar that Noah and his people supposedly built after getting off the ark. Um, if you're not into, into Judeo-Christian um, Abrahamic faith, uh, you might you might scoff at that. But every every culture does have a flood story. We know that the flood occurred. It's it's reasonable to assume that there there were some some truths at the very least, to these stories of the Flood. Um, this brings us, though, and my, my point to say here is not that I am positive that something along the lines of Atlantis existed, but rather that we don't know for certain. There is no certainty that far back. We didn't know about the Hittites, who disappeared around 1200 BC. We didn't know about them until 1834. Let, let me drive this point home. Herodotus, the, who is known as the father of history, the father of the historical field, who was one of the first people to genuinely take an interest, not just in the events and goings-on of his own people in his own country, but of those in other places. A man who wrote about the Phoenicians and the Phrygians and the Carthaginians. He did not know about the Hittites. Herodotus was writing in the 400s BC, which means in the 800 years. This is a guy who wrote about Troy, by the way. And the war between the Achaeans, the Greeks, and Troy is supposed to have occurred around 1200 BC. Now, we did find Troy. It exists. We don't know how accurate Homer's epic is. It's probably not very accurate, but it probably does describe a war that did occur. Um, Thucydides, for example, went and looked at the exact numbers of ships and calculated how many men would have been there, which I think is funny. Uh, we've discovered that Troy has been inhabited for a very long time, that it was inhabited by multiple civilizations, one on top of the other for layer and layer and layer. Uh, Heinrich Schliemann, uh, for all his faults, did actually prove Troy's existence. Um, and it's Troy 7A that is believed to be the Troy that was destroyed by the Greeks, Troy 7b appears, I think I have this right, appears to be uh, when the Phoenicians, or not the Phoenicians, when the Phrygians moved in. So if Herodotus knew about the battle for Troy, but he didn't know about the Hittites, that's fascinating. That means that it took only 800 years for an entire civilization to be forgotten by the world. That they were just gone. And then eventually we came back across them. They were only recorded in the Bible, as far as we knew. Because we had cuneiform, we didn't know what it said, we didn't know it was there. But cuneiform basically confirmed the, the Hebrew account that, yes, this was a thing. My point is, just because we haven't found evidence of something yet, concrete evidence, doesn't mean it, it never existed. Now, you shouldn't go around telling people that it did and that you're sure of it. But you also shouldn't discount the possibility. 
However, when it comes to Great Tartaria, <laughs> you should absolutely discount the possibility. Let me read through some of this for you. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia page for it um, because it explains it well enough. Actually, no, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the Reddit one. For those not in the know, the Tartaria Conspiracy is one of the most bizarre pieces of pseudo-history out there. Its core notion is that the region known as Tartaria or Grand Tartary in early modern European maps was not simply a vague geographical designate, but in fact a vast centralized empire. That empire emerged at some point, and it disappeared at some point, but for some reason its existence has been covered up to suit some narrative or another. As you can tell, there's a lot of diverse ideas here, and the fact there hasn't been the equivalent of a Christological schism every time a controversial thread goes up is really quite impressive. This is bad history, by the way. Um, while this post will primarily address one particular piece of writing that is the core of the Tartari conspiracy theorizing, I'll include a few tidbits to show you just how much madness its adherents have come up with, but first some background. I'm not going to go into that because I'll just give you the background myself. On old maps from the... I think the earliest one mentioning Tartaria is like 1400-ish. And they, they continue calling that up through part of the 1800s. Early on, these maps designate the area just east of what was then uh, the, the Rus lands, uh, early Russia. Just east of that is this land called Tartary. And as maps get more expansive and start to document the entirety of Siberia and most of Central Asia, Tartary grows bigger and bigger, and you get Grand Tartary, you get Tartaria. Later on, you get Independent Tartary, Chinese Tartary, European Tartary. And this is just, by the way, the, this is the, the reasonable version. What they propose, those who adhere to this, is that prior to sometime in the 1800s, there was a massive, advanced, strong empire in the East. And that this empire was destroyed somehow or another. And then wiped from memory. Why? Uh, well, if we're going with the very simple version of the conspiracy, which is that uh, the you know, it was just conquered and they wanted to wipe it off the face of the earth. Uh, some people suggest that the Europeans colluded with the Chinese to erase this place from memory because they didn't want anyone to rival European power. There's also our, you know, our well-known uh, immediate assumption that for some reason it was the Jews. Uh, no matter what happens, anytime anything happens, somebody blames the Jews. There's, there's no reason to believe the Jews had anything to do with it. And then one other option is that there was a mud flood. Um, there's no evidence of a mud flood. The conspiracy does go deeper. But first I want to I want to just bring up the fact that there is a not insignificant number of people out there who believe that the entire world worked together and colluded to hide the existence of a centuries, possibly millennia old empire in Asia, got rid of all evidence, and then left it on their maps. They got rid of their literature, 
their architecture, their history. They didn't want anybody to know Tartaria ever existed. But they left it on the maps. So. Now it's very simple. Tartar was a term to refer to Eurasian horse nomads. The term Eurasia did not come into use until the 1800s. Tartary was a broad term referring to the lands inhabited by horse nomads from the Eurasian steppe. This would have included uh, groups like the Cossacks, the Tatars, in the east, the Mongolians. And horseback riding nomads are no stranger to this region of the world. The Scythians, for example, are recorded by the Greeks. Uh, back into the 1200s, we believe, they go back that far. The Scythians were eventually displaced by other nomadic groups. Um, you know, they, were, they fought the Greeks, they fought the Romans. They are eventually displaced. The Rus came in, the Kievans uh, established their empire. The Mongols came in in the 1200s, displaced a lot of people. This is just a region that lends itself to horse nomads. It doesn't have great agricultural territory. It's not very fertile soil. But it's great for grazing, it's great for herding. There are natural grains that grow. Um, the people who lived there, uh, their diet was primarily based on meat and dairy with whatever they could forage as well for, for plant matter. And then there's the other guys who don't recognize that this really is just a change in wording. We go from Tartaria artery to Eurasia. There is, again, a group of people who are way too, there are way too many people who believe that Tartaria was not just an empire, but that everything we know of history prior to some point in time is fabricated, and that there was a globe-spanning empire known as Great Tartaria. Some of these people suggest that that empire fell in the 1700s and that history is reconstructed from there. There are also people who think that the Chicago World's Fair of the 1890s, that all the pictures from it, that, that wasn't just constructed over a matter of months and then torn down. No, no, no. That was, in fact, all real architecture. And the reason that the American Capitol building in Washington, D.C. looks so similar to structures in Rome and Athens and Alexandria, Damascus, Jerusalem, is because they were all built by the same empire. Now, of course, anybody who's studied history knows that the reason that the American Capitol building uses Roman architecture is because the people who built it idolized Rome as the ideal republic. I can't stress enough how absurd this theory is. It is... It's hilarious. Um... <laughs> And when you watch the videos, you almost feel a little bit of pity for these people, but it's more fun to make fun of them. Um, 
there are pretty meticulously kept records of Asian history, of Central American history, uh, European history, African history, basically everywhere except uh, the Americas, has very well-recorded and well-documented history. Even certain Mesoamerican, South American civilizations did keep history recorded. Uh, the American, the North American natives uh, kept everything primarily through oral tradition, which is dubious in most cases. It's prone to exaggeration. It's prone to uh, being you know, changed over time. But we have a lot of history. To simply discount it because some architecture looks the same is wild. And people believe it even when proven wrong. I had a bunch of people, I've, for those who don't know, my background is medieval history. I, I am a historian by training. I am currently a master's student getting my, my master's in history. And a lot of people think that historians, what we're trained to do is read documents and recite what they say. That is not the case. Historians don't simply repeat what they're told. We clarify. We are constantly in a practice of adjusting history, revising history, as new evidence is uncovered. Uh, archaeologists have been incredibly helpful in this pursuit in the last 150, 200 years. So people will come onto my page and they'll be like, open your eyes, or why are you so arrogant about this topic? What would you know? Who are you to say? Documents. I've looked at the architecture. They ask, who built all these star forts all over Eastern Russia, all over Siberia? The Europeans couldn't do that at the time. And there weren't Europeans in Asia at the time, even if they could. Star forts became very popular in Europe during the Napoleonic period. Interestingly enough, the Napoleonic period and afterwards is when Russia started colonizing Siberia and when all of these star forts were built. All of the uh, Roman-style architecture wasn't really possible in the Middle Ages. We had kind of lost the technique. Once we got to the Renaissance, people were able to reverse engineer. And to this day, we continue building in that style because it looks cool. It looks regal. It's the, it is the, the, the Western... The, the peak of Western power was Rome, um, as far as a lot of people are concerned. It was really the British Empire, but, or you could say today, possibly. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It's all very funny. They will point to structures in uh, Southeast Asia. There's, uh, there's the, the, uh, the city of Kuala Lumpur, for example. There are these structures that shoot up in the sky. They've got spires. They're not super tall. And they say, oh, these, these were part of the Tartarian power grid that shot energy across the globe. It was how they charged the spaceships. These power stations, these conductors, by the way, are all made of non-conductive stone. 
they talk about how the pyramids can't possibly have been built with the technology available at the time. And while it is true that it would have been extraordinarily difficult to build the pyramids out of uh, the, the stone that was used using copper tools, it is possible. It's also possible that we don't totally understand or that we've lost something. The pyramids are... I mean, remember this. The pyramids were older to Cleopatra, or as old to Cleopatra, I think, as Cleopatra is to us. The pyramids are older than Mohenodara. The pyramids are older than certain parts of Stonehenge. It's possible that they changed technologies. It's possible that they, they had something and they lost it. We don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we know everything. But what we do know is that granite, limestone, limestone specifically, does not conduct electricity. A lot of people will point to the fact that basically all around the equatorial region, north of the equatorial region, you see all sorts of... Uh, pyramid structures. Now, of course, the step pyramids of um, Mesoamerica are different in structure from the pyramids of Egypt, which are different from the pyramids of Indonesia, of Siam, Southeast Asia in general. A lot of people will say, well, clearly they communicated. A lot of people point to the fact that there's a Memphis, Tennessee and say, well, ah, how'd that get named after Egypt? The Egyptians must have been there. Well, no, Memphis was founded in the 1800s. So, Memphis is not an ancient Egyptian word. Neither is Cairo. Ancient Egyptian cities had different names from their modern names. I... Pyramids being built as four-sided triangles are simply a very, very strong structure. They last because they're strong. Human beings all over the world figured out how to wheel stuff independent of one another, figured out boats independent of one another. Humans are intelligent. We're innovative. We find ways to do things. Two groups can create the same thing without communicating with one another. It happens all the time. Pardon me, my throat. Um, theories like this, and this is why I saved this one for last, because this one has no evidence. Theories like this are based in a series of misunderstandings by people who think that they're smarter than the experts. And I'm not saying that you need to rely on the experts every single time they tell you anything, but humble yourself. I don't, I don't go out there and pretend to be an expert about physics. If someone tells me something about physics and it doesn't make sense to me, I don't tell them they're wrong. I simply accept that I don't understand it. When you look at the fact that maps talk about Tartaria, and you tell historians, what are you hiding? Why don't you have interest in the truth? We look at you and we say, because I know what Tartaria means. I know that it was a term for horse-riding nomads. When you look at the pyramids 
theory and they say, oh, well, these, these structures all look similar. They must have been built by people who were in communication, people who, who had a worldwide empire. We look at them and we say, uh, well, if you look at the Egyptian pyramids, first of all, they didn't just spring up as what they are. They started as step pyramids like those in the West. The Egyptian pyramids are extraordinarily meticulously planned out and built. They are blocks of limestone placed upon one another. The step pyramids of Central America are giant piles of rubble covered in finished stones. They're different. They're not structurally the same. Which proves these two groups weren't communication. Because if they were, the Egyptians would have told them this is the way to do it. Again, you don't need to be an accredited historian to be interested in history. You don't need to trust the experts every time they tell you anything. But when the experts tell you something and then proceed to back it up with tons and tons and tons of evidence, and all you can do is tell them, ah, well, that map says something I don't get. Stop pushing. <laughs> you know? Stop, stop fighting it. Uh, that's that's all I have to say on the subject at this point. Um, but you know that that opens us up for question time. Uh, we'll take this to nine thirty, or sorry, not nine thirty, nine o'clock. So uh, you know I will go back and look at old super chats. But if you want me to answer questions, uh, feel free. I will be doing that. I'm gonna go back up and and check what was already said. I'm going to pull up uh, YouTube really quick so I can take a look. <laughs> All right. It's going to show me. No, it's not going to. Pull up YouTube Studio. Supers. Super Chats. All right, what have we got here? Once again, uh, Danny Buonacore, thank you so much for the $100 Super Chat. That's that's so kind. That's so generous. I really appreciate that. Um, that's that's huge. Uh, tell the official data your ping comment when Goon thought that was very funny. Uh, shooting range vlog with the Gord Lord from Joshua Stevens. I can't promise you that, but I, I will tell you there is interest. Uh, um, something I would definitely like to do. So s stay tuned. Uh, June Hasegawa says, boyfriend was playing out last night how most regions start with the creator who was chased out. Opinions was a better question for last night, but it got busy. Most regions start with a creator who was chased out. Uh, I'm not entirely certain I understand this question properly, but if you mean like most cultures or most regions, like the first civilization ends up getting chased out by later ones, yes. Very often in history, what we see is that a civilization will spring up and as it grows more powerful, its technology, its wealth will start to disseminate out into the region around it. And one of two things will happen. 
other cultures will accept that and innovate it and then the uh the you know sitting power gets complacent and they realize you know well we're we're, we're top dog we don't need to really worry about it meanwhile their competitors seeking to gain independence or primacy will continue to innovate until their technology is more advanced and then they'll drive out the first guys another thing that we see is that there will be a powerful central power and around it other tribes and groups who are less powerful less advanced will gather together and say look at all the riches all the technology all the architecture everything they have alone we can't possibly take them and they'll probably crush us one by one but together not only can we stop them and keep ourselves independent but we can also take what they have and a large group of society will come together and do that uh the babylonians and the persians did that to the assyrians or sorry the neo-babylonians and the persians did that to the neo-assyrians um the sea peoples seem to have done that to a large number of people the hittites seem to have done it so yes that that is typically what happens um is someone will come along and wipe out the original guys Let's see. Uh, Meyer Kid says, what if there's no evidence of Atlantis because all the residents were popular loners? Also, L Phillies, W Astros. Uh, I don't see losing to known cheaters as an L. I see, uh, I see lasting that long against known cheaters who were never punished for cheating uh, as, as quite the W, actually, because what I'm seeing now is a lot of discourse about how the Astros were never properly punished and the fact that they've been able to reach multiple championships uh, basically because they cheated and were able to get, you know, attract better and better players. Uh, I'm seeing some actual discourse regarding change in the MLB. And I think if the Phillies can can be the team that caused that, I see that as a win. Also, go Birds. It's our year. I hope. I'm a Philly fan. We did set the unfortunate record of losing the most national championships in one day because the Philadelphia Union lost the Major League Soccer Cup, which hurts. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, the Atlantis thing, a, a big part of the problem is that Plato turned it into an allegory, and now a lot of people think that uh, it is one. Um, June Asagwa says, if you build it, they will agriculture. Yes, they will. Logan Fisher said, this is really well presented. Keep it up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I'm trying to refine my style a little bit and get get better at these. Um, Wendigoon said, but did they have gourds? They did. My mother said, happy birthday week. Uh, for those who don't know, my birthday is in three days. It is November 10th. Um, if you want to help me celebrate, you know, send me send me a dollar so I can so I can get some drinks. Um Let's see, T.L. Lancaster sent $1. Thank you. Uh, June Hasegawa said, you and Milo trashing Schleeman, please. In the future, I will text him after this show and ask him if he wants to come on and trash Schleeman. Um, if you want Mini Minuteman back, you should bug him about it on his channel <laughs> because uh, he will likely respond to you <laughs> better than me. Um, Secretary Tenebris said, Aiden, I will have you know my great-great-grandpappy was commander-in-chief of the Tartarian Navy, so how dare you? All right, I apologize. I apologize. You win. You win. You are correct. I have spoken out of turn. 
Let me see. Let's uh, pull this guy back up. All right. Uh, is said Aiden, check your texts. I'm scared. You got Natalie always. Uh, Natalie and Is always send me cursed, cursed memes. Oh my god! Did you guys meme the picture of Wendigo in the background? <laughs> These are fantastic, and I will be tweeting them. Um, th this is this is the template. I'll share it in the Discord. <laughs> this is fantastic. I love you guys. Oh boy. Uh, two guys from Pennsylvania. <laughs> me trying to have me on track to have a normal college experience. Uh, me casually existing. Brandon Herrera and Mattis. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> the 80. <laughs> you guys are. Oh man. Whew. All right, those were good ones. Those were good ones. <laughs> uh, where do the Mesopotamians come into play? I just saw that one. Um, that's around 4,000 years, 4,000 BC that they start to spring up. Uh, we get the first writing around 2,500 and 2,000 years ago. From them, the first literature. Uh, they were the first known civilization. They were the first civilization to, uh, to write but that's about where they come in. It's possible that we had stuff older than them. Prior to them, we thought it was the Egyptians. Uh, so it's possible that they'll be usurped and somebody else will become the oldest. But I mean, no matter what, what they did was still incredibly impressive. I think Marlowe's in Maine, not Massachusetts, uh, is question under your super. Uh, I'll go try and find it you might have to send it to me again oh there you go uh hey just got the first check from a new job thought i would send some money to support thank you what would you say to the idea that the subterranean cities lacking walls was because giants can step over walls so giants in my opinion probably would refer to people who were 8 to 10 10 to 12 feet tall and, pro and we don't have any good evidence of very, very tall, like 10 to 12 feet tall uh, people in, in recent memory. We've never found that. Uh, we do have records that suggest 8 to 9, 8 to 10 even. But, uh, you know, with the climate, it would be very unlikely that an entire group of humans could reach that height now individuals with uh metabolic or growth disorders sure but entire tribes very unlikely um more likely if it was uh you know in my opinion the reason for the underground part was probably due to a lack of building materials that's that's my best guess is that um, they didn't have a ton in the way of lumber and uh, hard stones, and it was easier to build underground in the volcanic ash. There's also the possibility that, it was, that the Hittites were dwarfs. <laughs> um, thoughts on mid-air meteor explosion that completely glassed several Bronze Age cities north of the Dead Sea, 
sounds awful familiar if you ask me. I've never heard of it. Um, but that, I mean, you could, that, that, that could be seen as what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, so I think it's possible. I just, I would, I would have to, you know, I'd have to look more deeply into it. Uh, if you're thinking of anything specific, let me know. Let's see, uh, da Dan that was Daddy Falcor, by the way. Danny D says, so in summary, Tartaria was a map label and maybe an ethnic group's general location. Yes, basically, it was, it was the the term. I I'm trying to think of another another term that's changed. Here, here's a really easy one: Native Americans. They have been called all sorts of things. The term now is Native Americans. For a while, American Indians was accepted. Uh, for a while, Indians was accepted. We've, we've changed terminology for them over time. Uh, the Canadians call them First Nations. The same goes for groups like the Celts. It was once thought that all of the Celts were one group, and then it was, oh, well, we've got Brythonic Celts, and we've got Continental Celts. Um, we've got the Latin culture, things like that. Joshua Stevens says, can you do a Bible podcast on God's sense of humor or the real divine comedy? Oh, man. Um, I, can, I can find a way to make that work to an extent. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll see what Isaiah has to say. Problematic Farmer says, what are the odds of maybe doing a video about the lore of Dibokin? Uh I could. I guess that counts as having permission to talk about it. Yeah, I can look into that. I would want to find a rabbi to talk to. But yeah, I can look into that for sure. Giant of Kandahar, there's been two. So the Giant of Kandahar thing, the problem I have with it is that I, I've only ever seen anecdotal stuff. I've never seen a mission report. Uh, obviously, the military would probably cover something like that up. I asked Mr. Ballin about it when he was on the show, and he was a little cagey about it. Um, he didn't... He seemed to not want to say that it was made up, but he also seemed to not want to say that it was true. Um, ha him having been a Navy SEAL who served over in the Middle East, I tend to look at that as him kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like the story's exaggerated, you know? Government called them aboriginals. I was taught First Nations in the per term. Exactly. It changes constantly. Um... What else we got here? Cargus <laughs> listening to this at the gym. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, the Tartaria con conspiracy theory is, if they can approach me with something coherent and tell me a story, I, I might be able to give it a little bit more respect. But so far, it's basically, well, look, word on map. Why word on map? If Tartaria not real, why Tartaria on map? Um, it's because, you know, it was the Tartaria was not a term for, for a country. It was a term for a group of people. Uh, yeah, the, the PKA thing, um, I think, I think there were just some miscommunications on what kind of show it was and all that. I don't hold anything against those guys. Um, I'd be happy to go back on if they invited me. I'm, I'm, I'm not super broken up about it. I think a lot of people, uh, <laughs> I'm, I try to be very mild-mannered on this show and, and very lighthearted, but I do enjoy arguing about things. I find it fun. Um, I find debates exciting. So uh, I, tend to, I tend to be a little bit quicker to get into them. 
Um, maybe Tartaria is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, Tartaria was at one point how they referred to the Mongols. I think that Tartar was the term used by Marco Polo. Um, if I remember correctly, that was how he referred to them. So, again, like, it's entirely possible that the term Tartar came from Marco Polo talking about the Mongols, and then they went, hmm, Mongols on horse with bow. Cossacks on horse with bow. Both Tartars. Um, Got to remember that historically, history did not become... I don't want to use the term scientific, but history did not have a methodology, did not have an agreed upon way of doing it until like, it still doesn't, to be honest, it's constantly evolving and changing, but it was really the 1800s when history became something that was not just a pastime of the wealthy and became something that was a genuine, serious academic discipline alongside things like archaeology and psychology. Uh, for, for a very long time, basically from, uh, you know, from Herodotus to the 1800s uh, with uh, Humboldt and Ranke, who were the, the early historicists, history was just storytelling. And it was primarily something that was done by wealthy upper-class individuals who had a lot of time on their hands and wanted to attach their name to something without necessarily doing anything for the culture. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of like being a novelist. Um, not, not to discount novelists at all. I'm, I'm, I'm working on writing books. But it was kind of a way for the upper class to attach their names to something well-known. If you wrote a history of, of Caesar, then your name was attached to Caesar's. That's how it worked. Okay, what else do we have in here? You will explain this to Joe. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to talk about this stuff on Rogan's podcast. I know we'd have so much fun. But I am not important enough to be on Joe Rogan's show. Uh, I gotta probably get on like Russell Brands and Tim Pools first. Truth is probably somewhere in the middle for Giants. Yeah, uh, I mean, for example, uh, the Smithsonian has uh, ethnography records from the 1800s that mention Giants and that mention mounds in which they found men who were six to seven feet tall buried and surrounded by the bodies of normal-sized people, and that they were buried in white ash, which makes sense because the Native Americans, in many cases, believe that white ash is a way to prevent, for example, uh, uh, it's, a war, it's a way to kill skinwalkers, for example. It, it has been suggested that it can help ward off wendigos, things like that. So for there to be a, a white ash-covered grave for a giant makes sense. Aiden Merrick says, get a Vegas bomb for your birthday. So good. Thank you. I will. I'm going to be in Nashville for it. Uh, my cousin's getting married on the 11th. My birthday is the 10th. So this is going to be a hell of a week. <laughs> I, hope my, I hope my throat uh, fixes itself up by then. Otherwise, I'm going to have to head to an urgent care, uh, which sucks because I was just on antibiotics for a tick bite. Um, I narrowly avoided Lyme disease, although maybe I didn't avoid Lyme disease. I hope I avoided Lyme disease. It would be very unfortunate if I got Lyme disease. Gives you a, a red meat allergy, and I love red meat. 
Kelly, the official data says happy quarter century. Thank you, thank you. I will say there were some tall dudes in Afghanistan, but also some super tiny. Yeah, there's uh, there are several tribes today that are tall, like six and a half, seven feet, but nothing on the scale of could step over walls. You know, we're not we're not finding eight, like nine, ten, eleven foot tall people. Uh, Plaz says, ran my driest world game last Tuesday, and the party fought a pair of Wendigos that got released from containment. That's fantastic. He said, Wendigo, I'm hoping Wendigoon reappears with a skull mask on. I don't know where he went. I know he's got to record one of his own videos tonight. Um, we made this thing into a makeshift content house for the week. <laughs> um, been hot tubbing with, with him. All weekend, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, I uh, I went in for Lyme to get checked. Uh, they didn't give me the blood test because it was within 72 hours, but uh, if I continue to have weird symptoms of stuff, I will, I will get tested, get the blood work done. Would you do DMT with Joe Rogan? I, I mean, I feel like if you're offered that opportunity, you kind of have to take it, right? Let's see what else do we have in here i'm going sc scrolling back through uh see if there are any other mud flood sounds like a harry potter insult <laughs> oh boy um what else do we have i really had fun watching yesterday on the jonah story the jonah story is a fun one um I think, let me see if I can uh, go snag it. I haven't uploaded the, uh... the new version. I haven't uploaded the uh, the t-shirt version, but I do have the hoodie. Oh, come on. I'm going to paste it in the chat for you guys. Um, pop it in here somewhere. DMT with Joe Rogan would be a hell of an experience. Jeez, Lyme disease and then uh, and then the swine flu. That's that's rough. I hope that link that I just sent uh, actually shows up in the chat. It did. Cool. So that's the that's the uh, the gourd the gourd shirt. <laughs> um, yes, Natalie, you did tell me to go to a doctor, and I did go to the doctor. But you know, I don't think like I don't have any swelling. I don't have a fever. I don't have like any symptoms of Lyme disease except for like I think I might have tonsillitis because um, it really is my tonsils that hurt. What if Nicolas Cage was the president in a movie and Adam Sandler played his son who won't stay under the radar during his father's election campaign leading him to try and fix his dad's election? Oof. I mean, I, I would watch that. We did discuss doing a hot tub stream, but we couldn't, we couldn't figure out a way to make it work. 
Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the, our, the the problem with our logo is that it is so um, so so intricate. So sometimes the the finer lines do come off of shirts and stuff. I think I'm going to request a version of our logo that's a bit thicker on the lining so that we can uh, have them do a little bit better. What else is in here? Um, tomorrow's Weird Bible topic is going to be uh, actually a little bit earlier than Jonah. I think we're talking about the Davidic period, if I remember correctly. I think we were going to talk about David and Solomon. Yeah. If it is tonsillitis, I'm going to be unhappy. I have very large tonsils. Um, I always have, though. So, but I can. Here's the thing: I can feel that my lymph nodes right here are a little swollen. I think it's just a virus. Um, it sucks, but I do plan on getting uh, a tattoo of the logo in some sense. Getting a tattoo of the logo as it currently is is uh, a prospect, but I uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. I have plans to do it. <clears throat> Yeah, washing the sweatshirts inside out does help with the logo problem. Um, that's part of the reason I try and keep them as inexpensive as I can uh, is so that, you know, you don't feel like if you only get six months of wear out of it, that it's a big deal. But uh, once once we have the ability to, I'm going to look into getting a, a local print shop to do them and actually ship them, not myself, but uh, get actual inventory and hire somebody to do the shipping and all of that. Right now we use Spring, which is good, but the quality of the printing can sometimes be lesser. So I do apologize for that. Yeah, uh, is embroidered hers. It looks really cool, I've seen it. Uh, when will you cover Joshua? That, oh yeah, that's what it is. We're doing Joshua tomorrow. Um, that is good point. <laughs> I'm stupid. Clive Custler. I have not. I will write that name down. Um, Bernard Cornwell is who I do most of my historical fiction books. He's fantastic. Yeah, I think I'm a little old at this point to get my tonsils removed. That would put me on my ass for way too long. You laser engraved the logo on a pumpkin and it came out well? Can you send me a picture? Send, send, send me an email, thelorelodge at gmail.com. Send, send me a picture if you got one. Um, great tattoo artist in Bethlehem. Ooh, that's not far. I could do that. Uh, Weird Bible is tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're doing two this month because we, uh, <laughs> we forgot to last month. And funny thing, the last Thursday of November is Thanksgiving. So... I did I did take a look in my throat. My tonsils are a little red and swollen. I think it's tonsillitis. Um and yeah, send it to the Discord too. Let me see if I can snag a, a link to that. Um invite copy. Here's a link to the Discord. So if anybody's not in the Discord and you want to join, that's the link. Um I need to be more active in it. This past month has been a lot. We've been, I was moving and all that. So, uh, all right. Now the cyborg says, Aiden, truly how much to bribe you to read the book? Which book? The, the Custler one? 
Oh, I missed this one too from Kendra. Last Weird Bible episode on Jonah was an important reminder to me of God's mercy and the importance of forgiveness. Thank you all. Thank you. I'm glad that you liked it. Um, I thought that was that was a good episode. I I really loved that one. You can see it. You, you can see the uh, the full replay over on Wendigoon's second channel, Wendigang. Um, we will be uploading highlight a highlight version of it to our channel, uh, but the the full version will be over on his channel. Uh, not a cyborg. Okay, is that? Are you the one who said Cussler? Was that you? Trying to trying to look through here. Um, unless you're talking about a different book, and I'm just forgetting things. Um. Also, what do you think of the Maddock-related images map and location posted in Discord? I'll have to go take a look at that. Um, like I said, the last few weeks have been utterly insane for me. Um, Wendigoon is T-posing on the other side of the room. Shirtless. With a notebook. <laughs> By the way, it's like really dark over there. So... <laughs> I just see him like against the open window with the Appalachian mountain range in the background. <laughs> uh, I will take a look at the uh, the Maddox related map and images and stuff. I think at the very least, even if it's not a true story, it is a fantastic story and something that should exist in some form or another. Let's see. Uh... Brian Godawa's Chronicles of the Nephilim. I need to do that. My stepdad just got me for my birthday uh, four books by Michael Heiser uh, on angels, demons, Enoch, and the supernatural aspects of the Bible in general. So I'm very excited to read those. And you will be getting content. I think I'm just going to do uh, a video based on each book. So that will be coming soon. I would get the logo tattooed for my 25th, but it's, it would be like a thousand bucks, if not more. Uh, I sent the Discord link in here, but I will send it again. The rare one, I am loose for PDF and Discord. I will take a look at that, yes. Um, I do intend to get to everything, I just... I... Uh, Lord willing, I will be signing with a manager soon, um, which will take a lot off of my back. Uh, Daddy Falcor, uh, your super chats keep disappearing. I could not tell you why. Let me see if I can see them. They might contain words you're not allowed to say on YouTube. That, that would be possible. I can't say for sure. I don't know because uh, I don't know what's in them, but... Yeah, they haven't they haven't shown up in the log. It could be it could also be something with the card. I don't know. Um, let's see, Christmas. Do you or Wendigoon plan to cover Saint Nicholas? Yes, I do plan to do that. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yes, I will take a look at it. I'm sorry. Like like I said, the last few weeks have been utterly nuts for me. Um, but I will be catching up in the next months. Uh, check my texts. That was my stepdad. Oh, uh, Christian, while you're in here, I actually can't check my texts from you 
because I have no cell service in Knoxville, uh, anywhere near Knoxville. In Knoxville, Gatlinburg, I have no cell service here. So I have not been able to text or call anybody who did not have iMessage. And I can only communicate with people from the cabin. Um, you don't have tonsillitis, side effects of doxy. Would that be the antibiotic they gave me for the... Uh, Trying to think of the timing. I mean, I took that on like Tuesday. Developed the pain Saturday. Ah, oh, maybe that makes sense. That would make sense. Um, what are the donation goals for this month? We have not decided yet. Uh, I will be able to give you a solid answer to that. Um, I, I can probably come up with them tomorrow. Uh, we did hit, I think, the seven fifty goal last month. Um, we are now keeping a list of donation goal stuff we have to do so that we actually get it done. So you guys will be getting a lot of that in the coming six months. Yes, uh, the real one I'm loose for PDF Discord. I will take a look at that. <laughs> are you going to awaken an ancient one with the boys? <laughs> Hell yeah, Gadawa uses a lot of Heiser's research. Awesome, I love Heiser. Uh, Yes, perfect. Just tag you with it again. If you could read the paragraph out to Wendigoon, I would be eternally grateful. All right, I will. Um, when do mugs ship from Patreon? Patreon stuff typically ships three months after, so after three months of payments. So uh, that should, if you've done three months, it should go through. If not, contact Patreon. Um, and then if it's something that I'm doing wrong, they'll let me know. I think we did accidentally withdraw money too early once and it backed up people by a month. But uh, I've been not withdrawing until the fifth of the month and stuff is supposed to process on the second. So yeah, the super chats do go away after a while. But uh, yeah, Falcor, I saw one of yours in here. Um, the thoughts on the midair meteor explosion one I saw, but that was that was the only one from you that I saw. Um, what of the real life, the exorcist story? Uh, yes, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, let's pick a time. Let's pick a time this week and we can, we can discuss it. Not this week. Sorry. Next week. I, uh, I have a wedding this week. Ah, doxycycline. That's the antibiotic. Well, if that is what is causing my throat problems, then that's fine. <laughs> I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. see what else we have in here uh aaron frazier says i'll have you know that tartaria is a massive condiment sauce maker don't believe me explain tartar sauce <laughs> i love that they, they took out the empire <laughs> they defeated it because they wanted the sauce daddy falcor there we go uh the largest city that was destroyed in the explosion which was about to be estimated to be about the same as tunguska it is named tal el hamam and that destruction and that destruction of the city inspired the tale of Sodom. Let me pull that up. Is that... Interesting. Thirty six hundred years ago, sixteen fifty BC. Interesting. 
And that does vaguely track like it is within, you know, a couple hundred years of when that story would have occurred. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people who, who subscribes to the idea that God interacts with the natural world through natural law. And so he's not going to supernaturally blow something up, but rather use um, use the natural world and its natural laws as, as often as possible. Favorite Welsh saint? That's a good question. I would have to, I'd have to go read my notes for that. Check the text my mom sent with the remedy. Oh, there we go. Yogurt, yogurt, yogurt. Three Advil every six hours, yogurt three times a day. Well, that helps. I haven't taken Advil. I haven't taken, uh, well, not Advil, but ibuprofen. Let's see. There it is. As far as Welsh people go, uh, my favorites, it's its not even a question. Owen Glendower, uh, or Owen Glendour, to pronounce it correctly. Uh, Rodri Maur is also up there. Uh, trying to think of some of the lesser guys. Uh, the Tudors, who took part in um, the Glendower Rising, are up there. Uh, Gavith App. Um, let me see. Welsh. What, what was his name? 1282. Who, uh, yeah, um, not Llewellyn the last, but his brother, uh, I think saw the writing on the wall, um, David Hopkirford, um, I think he saw, I think he saw the writing on the wall and I think he knew that they had to, they had to do it or they were going to lose. They did end up losing. Can we call you slightly mad dog? Yes. <laughs> Sure. I am related to uh to James Mattis. He's my like third cousin twice removed or something. And I know the audio is low. I'm I'm not in my usual studio. I had to change some stuff around, so I hope it's not too big a deal, but uh, you know, I've got it got it as loud as I can. Unfortunately, I mean I there's really nothing I can do here. Because if I Oh, wow. Yeah, it, if I up the gain, it starts to peak, apparently. So, uh, quick question. Just found you because of Wendigoon, how many new subs did you get after the live stream? I think we went up about 1,300, which is awesome. Um, I'm really happy about that. Uh, let me see. All right. Next week, uh, Wednesday. Wednesday is probably the best day next week for me to discuss that. Oh, uh, speaking of... <laughs> Hang on one second. I wanted to share this last night and I forgot to do it. Why is it still showing those? Um, here we go. I'm gonna send you guys the link to uh, 
my PrayPal shirt. <laughs> I do have to go and disable the... Spring added something and didn't, and just automatically turned it on, uh, where it just tells people what code to use to get a percentage off. Um, <laughs> which isn't cool at all. So like, but I sent you guys the PrayPal shirt. Well, thank you, Lost Killer. That I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know what's up with the audio today. I really do think it's the room that, that I'm in. Um, thankfully, uh, when I get back, we will be putting together the new studio, which is going to be crisp as far as the sound quality goes. But, all right. Uh, I will say my, my throat does hurt quite a bit, and it's now 9.09. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we will be back tomorrow evening with the uh the next episode of weird bible that is going to be on joshua into the davidic period so we're going to talk about uh joshua we're going to talk about saul all that i'm very excited it's a really cool period historically i uh, you know isaiah's got some of the best some of the best bible knowledge out there um I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one so thank you guys so much for tuning in and i will see you tomorrow